Hi guys, welcome to episode 29 of The Beauty of Ugly. My name is Sim Tong and let's talk about some stuff. Uh, over the weekend, there was a big election in Sabah, which uh, is very important for Malaysia. So Sabah polls, final tally. Uh, GRS, which is Perikandan Nasional plus Barisan Nasional plus uh, PBS, uh, had 38 seats versus Warisan Plus, which is uh, Warisan and their allies, which had like DAP, uh, had 32 seats. So yeah, that was the final tally. So yeah, Sabah is a uh, kind of a GRS thing now. Three key takeaways from Sabah election 2020. This is from malaymail.com. This was written mm, less than three hours ago. Yeah. Here are the three key takeaways from yesterday's polls. Uh, KDM rejects Shafi'i's uh, Warisan. Uh, despite a solid campaign of multiculturalism and unity, Parti Warisan Sabah President Datuk Seri Shafi'i Abdal failed to make inroads into the non-Muslim native community known as KDM for the Kadazan, Dusun and Murut communities. A crucial vote base that was already split among a crowded opposition. I I do understand, like it's very easy for people to point out that oh you know you're from Peninsula you're from Kuala Lumpur you don't understand what's going on over there. Fair enough. Um, and then it's very easy for people to say like oh you're from the city you don't understand that um, in these areas people are hungry you know they just need whatever they can find to, to survive. And I, I have heard this argument many times and I agree with it. I agree that, um, you know, if you, when you're drowning, what you need is uh, just the immediate breath of air. That is all you care about. And that's what the, you know, however much money, 100 ringgit, 500 ringgit, that they dole out every now and then, um, which is... You could say it's very little money compared to like the money that could have gone into giving people uh, electricity, water supply, internet, build better roads, um, build schools for the kids. Um, yeah, uh, it's true. But at the same time, uh, when you are just when you just need money to eat, you're not thinking about schools. You're not thinking about roads. You just you're just thinking about the next meal. So I understand that point very well. Uh, so no need to waterboard me with that point. <laughs> Whoever is like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people who are always um, after an election. There are a lot of, I guess, uh, people who will bring up this point. And uh, I just want to say I, I understand that point. Yeah. Um, but then when we were in Sabah, uh, one of the things that... Uh, by the way, uh, Siming is also very sad about the Warisan losing in Sabah. Uh, and I guess many of us are. Um, so when we were in Sabah, we just, yeah, we were taking a lot of Grab rides. And uh, Siming would always ask the Grab driver, like, uh, how they see the election. And uh, many of the people were either telling us the truth or thinking we are tourists, therefore we support or we are from uh, Peninsula, therefore we we support unity. So I think that was maybe they were giving us the uh, politically correct uh, answer. So they say they support uh, unity, they support Warisan. But there were one or two who said that uh, they sub they are voting blue. And um, the explanation they give is usually very brief. And basically they said that well, if like Shafi is a good guy, but um, if he's the chief minister, he's not going to give out a lot of uh, projects. And um, this one, I kind of, I understand it as well. Like, you hear this word project all the time in Malaysia. Project, project, right? And contract, yeah, that's the other word you hear a lot about, contract. Um, basically, everyone is waiting for the federal government or state government Basically, waiting for the authorities or the government or the big brother to give out stuff. And uh, 
yeah, I understand this, but uh, it's also a very, um, it's not a big fish type of thinking. It's not like, um, okay, do I make a good product, a good service that can compete in a, in a free market? It, it is not that kind of thinking. It is more like um, my product, my service doesn't matter. And the quality of my stuff doesn't matter at, at all. It's just all who I know, right? And uh, yeah, that's, that's a, that is the reality, I understand, in Malaysia. But it also means, uh, it's also sad for Malaysia because that means we will never be able to compete at an international level with this kind of uh, work culture and business culture. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you see that in, not just in East Malaysia, but in all of Malaysia, right? Everyone's uh, hoping to get rich. How do you get rich? You be friends with the government. You know, wait for a contract. Muhyiddin's rising popularity and state-federal relations. Uh, Sabahans, especially in rural areas, crave development and a better quality of life. The crux of the opposition's argument was that federal funds and cooperation were severely needed to give the state a much-needed socio-economic boost. This is actually just a fear that if you don't vote for... Um, People from the federal federal government, if your state government is from a different coalition, you're not just you're just not gonna get the funds and you're just not gonna get any development. But having said that, uh you know, Sabah is supposed to be one of the richest states in terms of resources, but it's also one of the poorest states in terms of um development. They have had the same state and federal governments for uh, 60 years. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether this fear is really justified or whether this argument really um, is a valid point. Party hopping and clashes did not affect voter confidence. There were three clear cracks in both political divides as parties disagreed with Okay, so basically this one says uh, party hopping and clashes did not affect voter confidence. Uh, so there were, I mean, both coalitions had a lot of clashes within each other. And also um, there, were a lot, there was a lot of party hopping, particularly hopping from PH to PN, because generally that's how it works. <laughs> the coalition that is more rooted in money politics is usually the one that the frogs would jump to. Um, because, well, that's how, <laughs> that's how money politics works. Um, uh, you pay money, you pay people money and they come join you. Yeah. So that's how it works. Um, so yeah, uh, one of the big factors or one of the big, uh, arguments or one of the big, uh, platform points for the unity government is to reject uh, party hopping to reject the frogs right um, and those people who jump from one coalition to another when they are offered you know um, either power or you know uh, opportunities uh, financial opportunities or cash sometimes uh, allegedly allegedly yeah it seemed like in this case people were not rejecting party hopping katak politics so uh, yeah well, that's kind of a sad thing Basically, party hopping politics is basically money politics. It's the same thing. Um, yeah, it's just when you hop, right? If you, if you hop during uh, election, they call it money politics. If you hop in the middle and you change the government, they call it uh, party hopping. But it's, it's basically the same thing. It's just a matter of timing. Um, yeah, and people have still asked. We are not yet ready to, uh, I guess, reject it, which is sad. But I, I am still hopeful that one day we will be educated enough and um, strong-willed enough to say, fuck this shit, right? Um, so, yeah, hopefully that day will come soon. Okay, uh, oh, look at who's here. 
Ahmad Rusli, Mat Sabah. Hi, Mat Sabah. Uh, okay, you say what I think about Kunak. I can't really tell you what I think about Kunak because I didn't see Kunak. I only <laughs> took that one picture to send to you uh, to kind of prove that I was passing through Kunak because we were, you were telling me about the Pulau cluster, right? And I was like, oh shit, there's, <laughs> there's an outbreak here. So we just, um, I think we just did a toilet stop there on the way to uh, Lahat Datu, which is of course also another area that um, we are supposed to avoid because that was the original place that with all the pandemic outbreak, right? Uh, in Sabah. So, uh, yeah, actually we only passed by to... Uh, <laughs> to do a toilet break in uh, in Kunak and actually I didn't even go in the toilet I just came out took a picture and went back inside the van and then in Lahat Datu we kind of just uh, we had to change vans uh, we didn't even we weren't even in Lahat Datu we were like on the outskirts of Lahat Datu we changed vans and then we headed into the Danum Valley Reserve Forest Reserve area uh, yeah yeah that's true um Masawa says, we need money more. Ha ha ha. Yeah, that's, that's basically it. It's, um, I, I think of it in terms of like, um, if you are in pain, uh, you, need, you need the pain relief more than the cure, right? Because that is the more uh, immediate concern. But I do hope that one day, uh, Sabah will get its cure rather than just relief. The cash is the the pain relief, but the cure is actually um, development. Uh, and you you know as well as me, <laughs> Mat Sabah, that uh, East Malaysia uh, is really unfair for East Malaysia. The way that um, the federal government always says, always promises, like, oh yeah, you guys, uh, we will bring development. We will bring development. And they take all the resources. You know, you guys are so rich in resources. They take it all and then they develop other places. Uh, yeah. And then they, they say, one day you guys will be as developed as, uh, you know, Kuala Lumpur. And, ah, man, 60 years, man. It's, yeah. I, and I know, <laughs> I know you also campaigned for uh, Warisan as well, right? Yeah. So uh yeah, I'm I'm also as sad as you. Uh yeah. My wife basically was just uh just too sad like uh last night just in bed. Um Angie Kita says Mat Sabah Sim has been staying at home since he came back from Sabah. That's true. Um yeah, actually uh it's day six of uh self quarantine. So it's Still another week to go before I can really confidently say that uh, uh, I, did, I don't have COVID. Yeah. But I love staying home, so that's cool. Yeah, let's talk about staying home. So you know what I've been doing recently? Um, okay, well, one more thing I wanted to say about Sabah and uh, about East Malaysia generally is that Sabah and Sarawak, um, I feel like in Peninsula, we could learn so much from them about tolerance and acceptance and unity. Um, yeah. Because we used to be like that. But somewhere along the way, we... Uh, and I'm not just talking about May 13. I'm, I'm talking about after that, right? We And I'm talking about actually recent years. In the last past... 15 years, I, I would say, uh, we have gotten more fearful of each other. And uh, and I always hear people talking, coffee shop talk, about like the government is the one to blame. They make us fearful of each other. And um, I always hear this and I always take it as, you know, um, could be true. Something that could be true. And uh, now... I kind of believe that it is true. But at the same time, um, we can't rely on the government to change. Uh, we have to change. We have to uh, be stronger than the government. We have to say like, you know what? Uh, you guys are wrong. Uh, we 
are respectful of each other. We don't have to fear each other. Um, and then they, in order to get our votes, they would have to change as well, right? So that's how it works in my mind. So yeah, we can't wait for the government to change and then we change. We have to change first. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I, we, I feel like we should be more like the Sabahans and the Sarawakians uh, in that Mm. This is getting into religion a little bit. So, uh, okay. The academic way of looking at religion is that religion is a subset of culture, right? Your uh, beliefs about the afterlife and your beliefs about um, um, the Almighty or the or the Creator or the you know how things came into creation. All this is a part of your overall uh, belief system, which is culture, right? Your culture is your traditions, your beliefs, your uh, things that you're, uh, are handed down, right? Um, that is the academic way of looking at it. But the religious way of looking at it is actually the other way around. The religious way of looking at it is that, well, God is almighty, all-knowing, all-encompassing, He's everything, right? Therefore, there's nothing outside of God. Therefore, but then, that means like, but then God is, uh, religion is like a study of God, related to God. Therefore, religion is also all-encompassing. Uh, therefore, like everything else falls within religion. Um, that is the religious way of looking at it. And these two Ideas are always going to be at odds, I think. And um, so, yeah, um, the, the, I guess uh, the sociological way of looking at things and the religious way of looking at things are always going to be, in a way, uh, different, in a way, maybe even opposite of each other. Yeah, so um, I hope religion and um, people who are religious can live in harmony with people who are either of a different religion or people who are not religious. I hope that this is true. Uh, I don't know if it is true, but I hope that it is true. Because if uh, people who are religious think that everyone is out to get them, um, then yeah, Unity is something that's going to be very difficult. So, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. If I say any more, I think I'm going to get into trouble. Um, Angie says, West Malaysia seems to be regressing instead of progressing when it comes to interracial harmony. I, I think you're right, Angie. Um, yeah, I think that's why I feel like, in a way, we are more developed than East Malaysia in terms of like, oh, we have, you know, we have this, we have that, you know, we have uh, infrastructure, we have, um, we have um, public transport, we have uh, everything, right? Uh, um, internet. But in some ways, uh, we have kind of lost our way <laughs> as well, right? They have, like, they know how to live with each other. And uh, I hope they don't lose that. I seriously, uh, that's one of my big fears is that they would become like us and, kind of just start being fearful of each other and that would be uh i don't know that would be for the lack of a better word that would be tragic yeah so anyway that's my thoughts on uh on malaysia and on sabah and east malaysia yeah okay let's move on to the next thing <laughs> it's time to time to stop time to start talking about something a bit lighter i think okay so the other day uh what happened was uh richard as I was reading the news, he saw me like the uh, because when I read the news, you can see what's going on on the screen. Richard saw that uh, there was one advertisement like uh, you could click on it. It was a uh, a quiz that you could do, and it was uh, a trivia quiz for the movie Grease. So yeah, that was fun, and uh, yeah, and then I also got into thinking about. How come I remember so little about Greece and Saturday Night Fever? 
And it is because um, I watched them when I was very young. I think I might have been like maybe five or six. Yeah, let's say let's say six. I think uh, Saturday Night Fever came out when I was six, and then Grease came out when I was seven. Yeah, so I think okay, this is from memory, and you know, human memory is fallible, right? It's not, it's not infallible. It's it's not something that is a hundred percent reliable. So this is all from memory. And as far as I know, it's the truth, but my memory could be bad. Um, so when I was very young, my sister, I think, was crazy about John Travolta, or she was crazy about these two movies, at least. So um, this is my big sister, who is 13 years older than me. So she wanted to watch these movies. Um, I think my mom went along to watch and me and her and maybe my other sister who's three years older than me. And I don't remember if my brother was around back then. I think he was, I think he must have been in university abroad. So, yeah, so me, um, so basically my family went to watch this movie. Uh, my dad doesn't watch any movies. I think uh, he didn't, he didn't watch this one at least. He doesn't go out with us because he's always working. Um, at that time, he was always working. Uh, so this story is really more about my big sister and me, my sister who is 13 years older than me and me, and also maybe my other sister who is three years older than me. Um, so my very, my older sister, she actually, she was always like very close to me. And so she asked me, after we watched Grease, because Grease came out a year after Saturday Night Fever. So we had already watched Saturday Night Fever. And she asked me uh, after the movie, like, which one I liked better, Grease or Saturday Night Fever. And I don't remember anything, almost nothing, except I remember this. I remember that I told her I liked Saturday Night Fever, but actually, in my mind, I liked Grease a little bit more. And uh, yeah, I don't know why I remember this out of everything. Um, I remember that I didn't remember anything about Saturday Night Fever other than uh, I think John Travolta was in it, the same actor was in it, and, um, and he was dancing in it. That was all I remember. But I had just watched Grease. So I remember, I also don't remember much about Grease, actually. But I remember that there was, it was kind of cooler. It was kind of like more poppy, more kid-friendly, I guess. Uh, although it had a lot of, <laughs> it had a lot of um, references to sex, right? But apart from that, it was kind of kid-friendly, kind of, kind of more easy to swallow, right? And kind of more easy to understand as well right and they're actually very different <laughs> different movies from different genres basically um even though they both had songs in them Grease was a musical saturday night fever was a movie with music in it so yeah i remember liking Grease, and i actually remember liking one scene from Grease, which was the car racing scene uh the bad guy had this car that had these hubcaps with like um, sharp points on them that could just tear up you know, the opponent's car. And uh, I, I watched this and it was exciting. And it was like, oh, you worried about the, the, the kind of the good guy who was like, um, his car was being torn up, right? And at the same, at the same time, I kind of like admired this car. I was like, wow, this, this is a cool car. This car can like, you know, uh, like can tear up your opponent's uh, car, right? And I think for years after that, I actually attributed this scene to Mad Max. I don't know why. I, I just, for some reason, I thought that this scene was in Mad Max. And then like years later, I rewatched Mad Max on VHS and I was like uh, looking for this scene and it didn't show up. And I'm like, what happened? Did they cut out the scene? I didn't remember that this scene was actually from Greece, right? Uh, so it's funny. Human memory is funny. I, I just, I think I forgot 
where the scene was from and then from there I used deduction to figure out like well it seems like a scene like someone's hubcap tearing up another person's vehicle that sounds like something out of Mad Max so um, it must have been from Mad Max and then since then my brain kind of filled up that part of the memory as in it is from Mad Max and uh, so since then I was always looking out for it when I, whenever I rewatched Mad Max I was like where is that scene where they tear up the you know Mad Max's car with <laughs> with the sharp uh, hubcaps uh, but it was from Greece yeah so yeah my answer to my sister was uh, yeah Saturday Night Fever and the reason I said that was I thought that was the answer that she wanted to hear because she was non-stop talking about Saturday Night Fever um yeah, the previous year, I think, like it, it was an, it was something that was mentioned a lot between my mom and my and my big sister. Saturday Night Fever, Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta, and um, yeah. So when she asked me about like which one is better, I was like, uh, Saturday Night Fever, I guess. <laughs> but actually, I I don't remember anything from it, and I just think I just thought that Greece was the uh, the better movie, although. The past two nights, I actually rewatched Grease and I rewatched Saturday Night Fever and I re and I actually watched um, Staying Alive. Uh, and I have to say now, now that I'm a grown up, I like Saturday Night Fever more. It was, um, I mean, Grease was a musical, right? And it was super, um, like, in a way, happy. Like everything turned out well. This lady that had a big scare thought she was pregnant. You know, she had a teen pregnancy. Turns out it was a false alarm. Uh, everything turned out well, right? Um, the 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 guy and the girl got together. Um, the 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 other couple also got together. You know, everything turned out well. Um, the the girl who almost dropped out of high school to go to beauty school went back to high school. Um, yeah, everything was kind of almost like a fairy tale. I think Greece was kind of like a fairy tale. Um, whereas Saturday Night Fever is very adult. It is very gritty. It is a portrait of an immigrant family, I guess. Um, a migrant family? I, I don't know. I At least like second, second or third generation Italian family in Brooklyn, right? It's, a, it's kind of a portrait of a family... Uh, with, it's kind of many portraits in that movie. There's a portrait of a family. There's a portrait of uh, a young lady trying to make it big in show business uh, and seeing the potential of New York, seeing the potential of Manhattan and um, just dreaming big and chasing her dreams. Um, and then there's also like a portrait of a young uh, a young man who's not that educated, whose friends are also, his social circle is also not very sophisticated. And he's coming to realize that, like, um, this is not who he wants to be. And he wants to be a better person. And he doesn't know how to do it. And he, all he knows is he has to get out of that social circle. He has to get out of that neighborhood. And he just has to find some way of doing that. And he doesn't know how he's going to do that. His only real um, skill or talent at the time is dancing. Uh, and, and it's a scary place for a young man to be, I, I think, at, uh, at that point in life. Um, so that, that's that portrait of Danny. And, and then there's like minor characters like the, the, the guy who um, got his girlfriend pregnant. So he has to talk about this really important thing but this topic is not something that he can talk to his friends about because his friends are all hey you know macho and we don't talk about these things and that's also a big problem that we also realize in like a lot of guys realize this actually like guys um especially especially when you're a young man you don't have a lot of friends to talk to you know you have your guy friends and then basically there's dudes and then there's chicks, right? Basically in, and I know this is not politically correct terms nowadays in 2020, but basically back then, that was it, right? And 
it's still kind of true today, although the the words have may be different. Uh, there might might be more euphemisms. There might be uh, more inclusive words, but it's still kind of a reality. Uh, I guess being sensitive is a bit more acceptable now. But back then, it's like. Who wants to hear about this guy's problems? Like he tried to talk to his friends and he couldn't because, uh, like, dudes just don't talk about these things, right? Uh, especially those dudes, right? Um, so yeah, that was also very interesting. And then there was also religion. Uh, that's that's a bit of religion in both movies, I would say. Um, yeah, a, a bit of, I think, a tiny bit of social. Like uh, either social commentary, or you could even say criticism on um, the way religion is pushed um, among Catholics. Yeah, that's a that's a little bit of that, um, or, or or at least among Catholic families. Yeah, um, that's a little bit of that as well. So very interesting. Saturday Night Fever was looking back really. Uh, ahead of its time in its social commentary and in its, you know, its uh, portrayal. And then I watched um, Staying Alive, which is kind of the continuation of Saturday Night Fever, but it's really, um, it's really a much less gritty story. It's more of a cleaner plotline with like, um, it's basically just. Um, it's it's kind of a love story in a way. It's um, the one that you want, uh, you don't realize is the one that is in front of you, which is the you know, the plot or the the story of a lot of movies, a lot of teen movies, a lot of high school movies, a lot of um, a lot of um, boy meets girl. Uh, girl meets boy meets girl movies. Um, a lot of those movies are like that. Um, but just this one is in, this one is in grown ups. The the characters are grown ups rather than um high schoolers. Um. Yeah, but I I enjoyed all three movies, <laughs> but uh, especially Saturday Night Fever. Really. Um. Mm. Uh, I I would say if you don't remember the story, go back and watch it. And uh, yeah. Uh. As a forty-nine-year-old, or someone in my forties, or even someone, if I would have enjoyed it even in my thirties, yeah. Okay, from watching Saturday Night Fever and then immediately going to watch Staying Alive, although they are continuation of each other, uh, and it's the same character, but you could see the difference is one was really seventies or late seventies. And one was really eighties, like Staying Alive was uh, shot in nineteen eighty three, and uh, so six years after Saturday Night Fever, which was nineteen seventy seven, and the dance the dance styles are so different. The music is so different. It's it's just like whoa, you know, like watching the two movies back to back. It's like it's like different genres almost. It's it's like watching one. Uh, period piece and then one uh, modern film almost yeah it felt a little bit like that uh, although the 80s is a long time ago as well right but it's just so different in my mind the 80s is in my mind the 80s is modern uh, because I guess I grew up in the 80s uh, and the 70s was kind of like in the midst of antiquity you know yeah um, staying alive was kind of underwhelming, yeah. Um, compared to Saturday Night Live, it was very. The storytelling wasn't as uh, refreshing, I, I would say. Um, Saturday Night Live was really like you watch it and you don't know what's going to happen, right? Whereas Staying Alive is kind of like, yeah, I can see what's going to happen. He's going to realize in the end that this is the girl that loves him, and he's going to realize, like, why was I such a fool? This is the one for me. Pat Fern Japonto says that's what happens when a boxer tries to direct a dance movie. <laughs> uh, direct and produce a dance movie. Um, yeah, but having said that, right, Rocky was actually written by Sylvester Stallone. I mean, his major contribution to Rocky, apart from the acting, is really the, the writing of it and the, 
the vision of it and yeah it was it was a great movie and i i think if you compare rocky to staying alive then yeah rocky is a great movie and staying alive is yeah yeah meh <laughs> oh no i got caught and you said sim saturday night fever not saturday night life oh my god oh my god i i avoided saying saturday night life all of yesterday right all of yesterday, as we were doing the Saturday Night Fever quiz, I was trying so hard not to say the Saturday Night Life because it's so easy. It's like my muscle memory is every time after I say Saturday Night, the next word that comes out is live because it is, for comedians, it is such a big show, right? It is something that you refer to all the time, you know. Yeah, all the heroes, um, Adam Sandler, um, Norm MacDonald, uh, John Belushi, they are all Saturday Night Live alumni. So for comedians, it's a big thing, Saturday Night Live. So every time I talk about Saturday Night Fever, I was like, don't say live, don't say live. And finally, you caught me, Angie. I finally did it. Yeah, you got me. Okay, yeah, one more thing I wanted to say is that um, my sisters, uh, especially my, uh, my older sister, but not the oldest, my sister who's three years older than me, is like the most mature person I've ever known since we were kids. And it was, it was always like, I always felt guilty if I watched something like Beverly Hills 90210 because it's like this stupid phase, that, this teenage phase or this um, coming of age phase that I'm going through, right? And I'm like, okay, I, I, I want to see what's, what it's like, what, what these uh, teenagers are like uh, overseas. And I know that Beverly Hills 90210, and I, I know that a lot of people would never, uh, a lot of people my age would never uh, admit to watching it, but I'm, yeah, I'm going to say I watched it. Uh, I watched a lot of it. I, I think I watched like the whole first and second season maybe. Um, because I, I think it was available on TV back then. It was on one of the channels. And we had more than one TV. One was in my dad's room and one was downstairs. So um, so while the family was watching some Hong Kong flick downstairs, there was one phase where I would just go up at that particular time of night when Beverly Hills 90210 was on so that I could watch it by myself. And uh, I wouldn't really tell anyone what I was doing because I didn't want judgment because uh, because it was kind of like... I think like my very mature sister, who's only three years older than me, she wouldn't approve of it, I think. And uh, so I, 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 I did go through a phase when I was uh, maybe about 17, 18, when I was watching a lot of Beverly Hills 90210. And I know that Beverly Hills 90210 is actually the, the whole theme or the whole um, premise is that it's all these rich kids, right? In this rich neighborhood, um, going to school and uh, growing up together. And, um, and then this not so rich, um, I guess, brother and sister kind of observing all the things that were going on, right? It was kind of like that. I, I do know that. But for an Asian teenager watching that uh, from Malaysia, it... I kind of saw it through a different lens, you know. I kind of saw it as more of like uh, a window into American high school life. Okay, so for me, it was kind of like an Asian kid looking at the Western world and, and not just as in like, these are strangers, but looking at it as in like, I'm going to go out on a limb to say that uh, maybe I'm not the only one who thinks this way, but it's kind of like um, as a Chinese Malaysian looking at uh, American life, it's kind of like these might be my friends and neighbors when I go to America and never come back to Malaysia because standard of living is higher, let's say, uh, if, if you can make it, right? That's, that's always the... The Malaysian dream is basically uh, living the American dream. 
uh, at least it's true for Chinese Malaysians. I think it's true. Um, going to America, going to uh, UK, going to uh, Australia, and living abroad, basically living in. <laughs> if I wanna, if I wanna be racial, I would say white people country, and earning a stronger currency, <laughs> uh, and yeah, basically doing that. Right? Uh, it what it's always in the background of everything. Uh, yeah, and not that's not even going into the social political part of um, and that, that's not even to talk about the new economic policy of Malaysia, right? Um, but yeah, generally a lot of Chinese in Asia think like this, or a lot of Asians think like this. It's like, ah, one day we'll be living over there, right? So when I watch Beverly Hills 90210, it was kind of like that. It was kind of like, well, uh, this is what Americans are like. And uh, yeah, I better learn about a bit about them because uh, one day I might want to live there. It kind of, that's always kind of at the back of our minds. And of course, it's, it's, not, it's not representative because these kids are super rich and uh, the average Americans are not like that, right? Um, but in a way, some things are kind of representative as well. Some things are, you, you could see a little bit of their culture through this very tinted lens, right? Let's say. So I always felt guilty watching Beverly Hills 90210. And then like now, when I rewatched Grease and I realized like all these songs that both my sisters uh, were kind of into from the Saturday Night Fever and uh, Grease, especially Grease. Grease was kind of in a way, I look at it and I'm like, oh, so this is, this was Beverly Hills 90210 for my sister, you know? This was her way of looking into a window into American life, right? Um, so after that, I felt like I understand my sister a little bit better <laughs> after these two um, days of watching all this stuff that she was really into when she was young. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of things to kind of look into American life back then. I, I don't know what you guys watch, um, but I watched Beverly Hills, uh, 90210. I watched um, Melrose Place at one point. I'm, I don't remember anything from Melrose Place except that uh, the people in it were beautiful. Um, Heather Locklear was a bitch. And, uh, and uh, Courtney Thornsmith was uh, like gorgeous. And she... Uh, I don't, that's all I remember. And also, yeah, the, the guy in it was, uh, I think was always like a, an aspiring writer or something. And I think that was an influence on me as well. I was like, ah, I want to be a writer just so that I can be cool like this guy. <laughs> a little bit like that, a little bit like that. I, I wouldn't say he had nothing to do with that. Um, yeah, but apart from that, I don't really remember a lot about Melrose Place. Um... What else was there? There was Cheers. There was Cheers. There was uh, this bartender in this place. And um, people would come in and talk to him. And, and people want to hang out at this place. And uh, I always thought like this was really interesting. You know, this was like a place that's kind of like a home for these people. But it's not really their home. They, have to, they still go to a different home. But then there are things that they can't deal with in their homes, but they can deal with in this home. And so that Cheers bar was also a very interesting thing to me. Um, yeah. Uh, what else did we watch back then? I, I, there was all the action stuff like the A-Team, the Auto Man, the um, you know, uh, Greatest American Hero. Um, but the, the non-action stuff, the, the more like the... Maybe the funny stuff, the sitcom stuff, the drama stuff. Those, those were, um, those were a better window into, yeah, into the other world, uh, the Western world. I think. Pat Fern says it's that's like the crack house for me. Ah, okay. So you're talking about Cheers, right? Uh, yeah. I I feel the same about the crack house. I feel like this is a place where, especially when it started, right? When it first started, I was like hey, I can get to like this place. I can really see myself coming here every week, you know, uh, maybe twice a week. Because it's like I go in there, I know the people there, and it's kind of like a home in the sense that 
everyone who comes in, they're kind of like coming to watch the show. But I know all the performers and the person behind the bar and the owners. And they're my friends. So in a way, it's kind of like, oh, okay, you're new here. Welcome to my home. You know, <laughs> I, I almost feel like that when I talk to people who are coming in. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I feel about the crack house. Uh, <laughs> Petfun says, I always thought Shannon was hot until I found out she's a dog. What does that mean? <laughs> you mean a bitch? Um, Shannon Dorothy? Yeah, because in the... I think in the in the thing she was like the super nice person, right? In in the show she was the super nice person. And then you read about like uh she she she's fighting with other actresses and things like that, and you're like, oh man, what a bitch. And then you cannot you cannot reconcile the two because it's it's very hard to separate in a way in when you're watching these kind of dramas, um, no matter how um objective you are as a person, you it's very hard to separate uh, the actress or the, the the actor, the performer from the character. It's very hard to separate because actually you don't want to separate. The whole point is you want to um, suspend your disbelief. You want to believe that this is happening. Otherwise, you know, it's not fun. You want to believe that this person really did, you know, um, whatever it is, like sleep with this person or did this, you know, uh, thing or this guy really did get the girl, and then you you're so emotionally invested in it because you believe it, you know, to some to some extent. Um, this suspension of disbelief is very important for stand up as well, which is why I realized that the stand up that I enjoy watching is usually not so much like okay, this is the joke, enjoy the joke, like um. Uh, I, I can enjoy those as well. I can enjoy Jimmy Carr. I can enjoy um, the one-liners. But I do really, really get into those people who tell a story and they're telling it in, in such a natural way that sometimes I watch it and I forget that they actually, you know, wrote this and took this joke on tour, even though it sounds like they're just coming up with it. But I watch it and after a few minutes, I kind of forget this was actually meticulously written and this and sometimes sometimes they do it on purpose they make it sound like um they just stumbled on something and this reminded them of something and then they are going off on a tangent right and that sounds very natural that sounds like um they just came up with this but actually it is written but i don't remember that i i I just laugh at it because it's so brilliant that this guy could just come up with this thing immediately. Yeah. Has anyone seen the live action remake of Mulan? No, I have not, Angie. Uh, is it any good? Um, I'm kind of leaning towards not watching it because A, I already know the story, which is a big deal for me. If I already know the story, I tend to not like it too much. Even if... Even for like the, the Star Wars prequels, right? I, I like the first one because uh, it was kind of like, it, it was the one that everybody hated, right? But like, uh, you know, oh, Jaja Bings and then uh, Darth Vader is a little kid, what the fuck? But I, I really could separate this little kid from Darth Vader in the sense that, well, this is a little kid. What's not to like? He's a little kid, right? Um, but the next two movies, I couldn't because I was like, ah, okay, this is where he gets this is where he gets angry oh this is where he turns bad and i already know he's gonna turn into darth vader so when i know the story i don't i tend not to like the movie as much or the story as much so one thing is i don't think i will watch it because uh if i had the time to watch a movie i would watch something that i haven't watched before i don't know the story about um yeah and also it's disney i i'm yeah, I, I don't want to give Disney too much of my mo money unless I have to. Like, uh, if my son wants to watch a Disney movie, then I will. Um, yeah, or, or if it's a new Star Wars movie, then I will. Um, yeah, but apart from that, there's also the other point is that uh, there's a boycott going on. I don't know if you guys know about this. The If you're, in, if you're supportive of the Hong Kong protesters... Uh, 
yeah it's that they they are all boycotting the movie because the the lead actress was actually very vocal or very supportive of uh the police crackdown on the protesters or something like that um at least yeah very pro uh chinese government um which i don't know i'm I don't have a horse in that race, but at the same time, I always feel like, um, okay, I, I'm kind of supportive of um, people fighting for their rights, you know, and still, uh, how many more years? Still 27 years before China really takes over Hong Kong. Um, so I would always support that they fight for their rights, but I also, I don't agree with like all the, uh, shooting arrows and, you know, um, hurting people. Um, that one, I'm not so, yeah, I'm not so quick to support that, but I'm not going to watch this Disney movie basically that's my answer. Yeah. Uh for for those reasons. Angie says I still love Cheers and Friends. Frasier and Seinfeld was great too. Oh yeah, that was one stage where I just was consuming Seinfeld. I was like this is great, just give it all to me. And when Seinfeld was um I think when Seinfeld ended, then later I discovered uh curb your enthusiasm and I'm like, "Oh, okay, this is kind of kind of along the same you know, uh, vain, and I really like that as well. Um, Cheers, I, Cheers, I watched for many years. I think I was very young. It was more like for my brothers and sisters, but I kind of could follow it a little bit. Yeah. Um, Frazier, not so much because Frazier, in my mind, it was kind of like ah, this is the guy who dated the the girl. <laughs> that uh Ted Danson had a had the hots for something like that and I was like yeah fuck this guy <laughs> so I never got into Frasier uh yeah and friends I got into as well I think there was a f- there was a time when I I could just watch friends and I if I watch back now I think it's like ah yeah okay this is it's not the best I I think it's not on the same level as Seinfeld in terms of like writing but uh it was something light that i could consume and i i enjoyed it it was good enough yeah it was it was fun so okay that's it um i think i'm done here thank you so much i'll see you guys on the next episode of the beauty of ugly thanks everybody hope you had fun i had a lot of fun And I'm going to have not as much fun editing this now. (laughs) Okay, bye everybody. See ya.